my teenage years were during the decade of the 1990s. So about half of the congregation just said, that guy is so young, what is, he doesn't know anything. And the other half of the congregation said, that guy is so old, he doesn't know anything, right? But the 1990s were a, a fun decade where there were lots of changes that were happening in culture, lots of changes that were happening in society, lots of changes that were happening in technology. And I was recently reminded that kids today think about the 1990s like I used to think about the 1960s, okay? Like it was ancient history, okay? Uh, And so I wanted us to do a little exercise today. I want us to, to do a little quiz to see how well we can remember the 1990s. So I'm going to ask you a question, uh, and uh, as you get the answer, you're going to see a picture of it come up on the screen to help jog our memories. So the first question is, which Sesame Street character was the 1996 Christmas must-have toy? Elmo, that's right. Tickle me, Elmo. Number two. Which wide leg jean became a fashion favorite for children in the 1990s? Jinkos. If your kid wore those, uh, I'm just glad they don't anymore. All right. Number three. Who played Kevin McAllister in Home Alone? Macaulay Culkin. Uh, There he is right there. Number four, which British royal died in a Paris traffic accident in 1997? Princess Diana. Number five, what does the abbreviation AOL stand for? America Online. Y'all remember the stuff? Get off the phone. I'm trying to get on the internet, right? All right, number six, what plush toys did Ty Inc. sell that took the toy world over? Beanie Babies. And if you still have those, evidently they're worth a whole lot of money now. Uh, Number seven, what function was added to portable CD players that enabled people to enjoy their music without missing a beat? Skip protection. Y'all remember, first of all, we used to carry around CDs, okay? That was the first thing. Uh, But then they used to have a thing you could push, and it would keep it from skipping uh, when you walked around. So that was back in the ancient days. Number eight, uh, who lost part of his ear to Mike Tyson in a 1997 boxing match? Evander Holyfield. Yeah, that was scary. Number nine. What was O.J. Simpson driving in the famous police chase? The white Ford Bronco, which went away for 30 years until now they're back, right? Broncos are back. So, uh, And then last, number 10, what year was the World Wide Web introduced? 1991. 1991. So uh, for a lot of people here, we had a world where there was no World Wide Web, and and we did okay back then. So it's sort of fun to remember, right? We can look back on these iconic moments and just recall them with some nostalgia. But today I want us to think about this question. What sort of memories do we have when it comes to God? We can look back in the 
2000s and the 90s and the 80s, 70s, 60s, however far you go back, you can look back in those moments and say, well, I remember when this song was popular, when this movie came out or when this event occurred. But can we look back over those same time spans and say, this is what God was doing in my life then. This is what God was doing in our church then. This is what God was doing across our nation then. And so today as we finalize our sermon series called Promised, as we've been going through the beginning chapters of the book of Joshua, looking at the Israelite people heading into the promised land, I want us today to remember the Lord's work. So if you have your Bibles, I ask you to stand in honor of God's word. If you're able, turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter 4. We're going to pick up at the end of the chapter in verse 20. Joshua chapter 4 in verse 20. The word of God says, Then Joshua set up in Gilgal the twelve stones that they had taken from the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, In the future... When your children ask their fathers, what is the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. This is so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is strong, and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. Thank you. You may be seated. As we go through this final chapter, we're going we're gonna to talk about what sort of people that we are called to be. What sort of people that God is calling us to be as his people. And the first thing that we see in this chapter is that we are called to be a remembering people. We're called to be a remembering people. At the beginning of chapter 4, We see uh, the Lord speaking to Joshua after all the people had crossed over onto the west side of the Jordan River into the promised land. And he tells him in verse 2 to choose 12 men, one man from each tribe, and they are to take 12 stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing. And they are to carry them with you, set them down at the place where you spend the night. So he summons the 12 men he had selected from the Israelites, one for each tribe, and he says to them, go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to lift a stone onto his shoulder, one for each of the Israelite tribes, so that this will be a sign among you. And so he sends them back out into the river where the ark was being held uh, by the priest, and he tells them to go and to get a stone that they would bring to the place where they're going to camp that night, and they're going to set up a memorial there. And so as the people are entering into the promised land, God established a monument to help them to remember this occasion. In verse 6, he says, "This, this is going to be a sign among you. This is going to be a sign for you because this is a significant day. The promise is being fulfilled today. And I want you to remember this day, God says to Joshua. Now, we have monuments like that all across our country. Uh, There's a statue here that was in Arlington, Virginia, that's from the Pulitzer Prize-winning photograph taken by Joe Rosenthal that shows a group of six Marines raising the American flag in Iwo Jima. 
1945, President Dwight Eisenhower dedicated uh, this 78-foot-tall memorial a few years later in 1954 to all the U.S. Marine Corps personnel who had died defending the U.S. And so this statue's purpose was for us as a nation to look at this monument and to recall and to remember and to be thankful for our servicemen and women who had fought for our freedom. The philosopher George Santayana says, those who cannot learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And so we must remember. We have to remember. And so God tells them in this passage, go and pick up these stones from the middle of the river. In fact, he tells them to go to where the ark was standing, where the priests were standing. Go to the place of the miracle and remove these stones and set them up as a memorial of God's faithfulness to his promise. When the people saw these stones, these stones would cry out that the Lord is powerful, that the Lord is good. These stones would help us to remember what the Lord has done. If you flip back into the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verse 10, God says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give you, it's a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build, houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with, cisterns that you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, when you eat and are satisfied. Listen to what he says in verse 12. Be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Isn't that interesting? This is before they're even there when God's giving them these words in Deuteronomy. He says, when you get there to that land that the Lord has promised for you, you receive all these great blessings, houses you didn't build, cisterns you didn't dig, olive groves that you didn't plant. When you get all of these great things from the Lord, don't forget that it was God who brought you there. Don't forget that it was God who provided all these things for you. Don't forget that he is God. Because we have an amazing ability to forget about God in a short time span. We can quickly take credit for ourselves. We can quickly say, boy, look what I've done. We can quickly say, well, look how far I've come. Look what I've become. And we forget the Lord's hand. We forget the miracle that got us here. We forget those answered prayers. And God says to the people, this will be a sign among you to remember. And so today I want you to answer the question, what stones has the Lord stacked up in your life? Where are the memorial stones in your life? What stones stand as a reminder to you of God's faithfulness? What stones help you to remember the Lord's goodness? What stones show you that the Lord is powerful in your life? It might be that 
day that the Lord saved you from your sin. It might be that time that the Lord healed you from sickness. It might be the time that the Lord answered a prayer that you were praying for years. It might be that night at student camp. It might be that day at vacation Bible school. It might be that Sunday morning when the Holy Spirit was bringing conviction in your heart. It might be that evening that you were sitting in your bed reading the Word of God and it came alive to you. It might be that time that you were on a mission trip when God showed you the lostness of the world. It might be that time that you were able to lead your own child to Jesus. God stacks up these stones in your life and he says this is going to be a sign among you. This is a monument in your life of how I've always been there, of how I've always been by your side, of how I've never forsaken you. Because when you come to a day when things seem dark, when you come to a moment when things seem hopeless, when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, when it seems that all is lost, you remember these stones. And know that I am the Lord your God. When we look at these stones, we say, I can trust the Lord. I'm going to remember his faithfulness. We see secondly in this passage of scripture that not only are we called to be a remembering people, but secondly we're called to be a repeating people. A repeating people. Look what he says in verse 20. Joshua set up in Gilgal the 12 stones that they had taken from the Jordan, and he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your children ask their fathers, What is the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. And so what Joshua is saying here to the Israelite people is that these stones are not just for you. These stones are going to be a testimony. These stones are going to be a witness. And you are to repeat these things to your children and to your grandchildren and to your great-grandchildren. You're going to recount the mighty acts of the Lord to your family. And the Lord literally tells them to repeat these things. If you go back to the beginning of the chapter in verses 4, he summons the 12 men that he had selected to be the representatives of each tribe. And he says to them, go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift a stone onto his shoulder, one for each of the Israelite tribes, so that this will be a sign among you. Listen to what he says. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? You tell them, the water of the Jordan was cut off in front of the ark of the Lord's covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's water was cut off. And these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. So here in verses 4 through 6, we see him telling them what they should say. And then when we get to verse 21, he tells the, the whole Israelite people the exact same thing. He's repeating the testimony to them. He's saying, when they ask you, this is what you should say. When all of you, listen, when they ask you, this is what you should say. 
He says, I want you to know why these stones are here. And you are to train your children in this miraculous story. To know about this incredible day. To understand that our God is faithful and that he will do it. If you go back to that passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and look at the verses leading up to where we read just moments ago, we find a passage that's called the Shema, the, to listen or to hear in Hebrew. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. And you should do what? Repeat. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Let it be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. He says you should repeat these things to them. Tell them. So what is it that you're always repeating? There's a funny thing that they often do with preschoolers or kindergartners where on Mother's Day or Father's Day, they'll fill out a thing about mom or dad, and they'll say, you know, how old is dad? And they'll say he's 183 or whatever. But one of the things that they'll ask is they'll say, what is it that dad always says? That could be kind of a scary thing to ask a kindergartner, right? But you kind of get a glimpse into how they perceive dad or how they perceive mom. But what is it that we're always repeating? If, I, if we were to go and ask your children, what does dad always say? What does mom always say? If we were to go to your friends and say, what is it that he's always saying? What is it that she's always saying? Are we repeating the word of God? Are we repeating the promises of God? Are we repeating the songs of God? Does your family know of God's work in your life? Have they heard your testimony of salvation? Have they seen these stones? Do they know what they're there for? I mean, one of the saddest things as a pastor is to sit down with a family after someone is deceased and say, tell me about their walk with the Lord, and they have no idea. No idea. They can tell you about all the things that they like to do, their hobbies, the things like that, but they have no clue about their spiritual life. They've never seen these stones. And in this Old Testament story, Joshua is instructing the people about their children, about flesh and blood families. And as the New Testament church, we are certainly supposed to share our faith with our children, with our grandchildren, with our great-grandchildren. We're to train up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If you follow statistics about religion in America, there's a, there's a growing segment of our population that, that's getting a lot of attention these days, and they're called the nuns. Uh, and the, they're called the nuns because when you check the boxes for a religious affiliation, Christian, Mormon, Muslim, Hindu, whatever, they put none. They check the box, none. And this is a 
one of the fastest growing segments of the U.S. population are the nuns. But what's scary is that 78% of the nuns grew up in church. 78% of the nuns grew up in church. And so over three-fourths of people with no religious affiliation grew up having that opportunity to hear and to respond and to grow, but didn't. And so could it be because they never saw the memorial stones? Could it be because their family never made this important? As people try to get their mind around this phenomenon of the nuns, this is an explanation that one author gives. He says they can see behind the masks. As they grow up, they're taking notice of the church politics. They're taking notice of church leaders who say one thing and do another. They hear about the affairs of pastors, though we try to shield them from it. They endure the church bickering and arguing and even splitting over petty issues. They see their parents playing church, attending because it's the social acceptable thing to do, but with no real passion for Christ manifested at home during the week. During the week, the praise songs are replaced with cursing and gossip and hurtful words. The Bible they saw opened at church is not opened at home. There might be a quick ritualistic prayer over a meal, but that's the extent of prayers in the home. Hypocrisy causes the next generation to become disillusioned with the church. It's the nuns. But the New Testament teaches us that we have an even bigger family than we thought. More than just the blood in our veins, it's about the blood of Jesus that we call one another brother and sister. And the Bible says that we are a church family. And so as a family, can we look back over the almost 70 years of history of Wallace Memorial Baptist Church? Can we point to the memorial stones? Can we say, this is a moment that we saw the Lord move? Can we say this is a moment that, we, that God heard our prayers? Can we say this was a, a moment that God was faithful? Because we have to tell these stories to teach our children. We have to pass it on to the next generation. Because what, what's the point here? Is that they would remember the faithfulness of the Lord in the past and it would encourage them in their current situation. I mean, what does he say to them? He says, you'll remember these stones because the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. And so he he points them back to when they crossed over the Red Sea and said, God was faithful here. God was faithful here. And you can tell your kids that God will be faithful there. You can trust the Lord. We need to repeat the Lord's faithfulness. And so we're called to be a remembering people. We're called to be a a repeating people. And lastly, in this passage, we see that we're called to be a reaching people. Because what Joshua tells them is that these stones were not just for them, 
They were not just for their children. That these stones were for people that were afar off. In verse 24, he says to them, This is so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty, and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. He says this is so that all the peoples of the earth would know. I mean, isn't it interesting that the moment that the Hebrew people crossed into the promised land, God told them that this promise wasn't just for them. I mean, that literally, as they just crossed into the land, he says, I want you to remember that this is so that all the peoples of the earth would know. Because this promise isn't just for them. He's the Lord over the whole earth. And this is something that the Israelite people never seemed to get. Throughout the Old Testament, they were insular and never wanted to reach out. I mean, Jonah had to get swallowed up by a great fish before he ever went to somebody else. Even though God had set up a court for the Gentiles in the temple complex, in the New Testament, they were still struggling with this idea. There was palpable hatred between Jews and Samaritans. Jesus tells them a story about a Samaritan who loved his neighbor. Jesus flips the tables because they had turned the court of the Gentiles into a marketplace where they weren't able to worship God. They were supposed to be a reaching people, but they weren't. And then Jesus sent out his disciples to be a reaching people. That great commission tells us to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel, that we would go into all the world and make disciples. But the church is just as insular and doesn't reach out. For example, there are over 45,000 Southern Baptist churches across our country where preachers proclaim the gospel to around 15 million people week after week after week after week after week after week after week. And these people sit there becoming numb to the gospel's demands with no intention of doing anything with the word that they're hearing. Meanwhile, billions of people around the world are dying and going to hell, having never heard the gospel that we take for granted. Not one time. We know that we're supposed to go and to share the gospel. We just never do it. And we wonder why our churches are plateaued and why they're in decline. We wonder why God isn't moving in power in our churches. It's because we're not being obedient. It's because we're not going out and reaching the lost. We've forgotten that these stones are so that all the peoples of the earth would know the Lord. And instead, we seem to care more whether it's too hot or too cold in the church building. We seem to care, to, to care more whether we sang the songs we liked or didn't like in the worship service. We, we seem to care more whether a person agrees or disagrees with our political beliefs. We seem to care more whether a person's a citizen of the United States more than a citizen of heaven. And we've forgotten what these stones are for. 
is so that all the peoples of the earth would know the Lord. And we've built monuments all over our country. These huge brick buildings that remind us that a church of the living God once met there. And at one time, that was a place where they were remembering. At one time, it was a place where they were repeating. At one time, it was a place where they were reaching. But now it's just a gravestone marking what once was. These shuttered up churches all over our land. Instead, our lives should serve as living stones to testify to our God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, Peter says, As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We're to be living stones that cry out. And so we reach out to the world with a message to remember the stone. The Hebrew word here in our passage, the word Gilgal, it means rolling. Is the place where he said where they camped that night, the place where they were to take the stones and set up this memorial, is the place called Gilgal. And when you get to Joshua chapter 5, verse 9, the Lord says to Joshua, Today I have rolled away, that's Gilgal, I've rolled away the disgrace of Egypt from you. Therefore, that place is still called Gilgal today. And so they were to look at these stones that they had taken out of the middle of the river, that they had rolled up on this hill, and remember God's deliverance. And as the church today, we remember the stone that was rolled away for our deliverance. Because Jesus was crucified for our sins. He was laid in a borrowed tomb outside the city gates, and the entrance was sealed by a heavy stone. But on the third day, that stone was rolled away. And because of that empty tomb, there's hope for a lost world. Because of that empty tomb, there's life for a man who's dead in his sins. There's forgiveness for the sinner. And so when we hear about the stone that was rolled away, we know that the Lord's hand is mighty. And that he's mighty to save. And that he's triumphant over sin and over death. That he's overcome our enemy. And we must simply place our faith in Jesus to save us. That anybody can trust the Lord. So when we see the stones, we say, I'm going to reach others with the Lord's faithfulness. As we began today, we asked the question, what sort of memories do we have when it comes to God? What is it that we remember? There are some here today that God wants to set up a stone in your life. A day for you to always remember. A day of salvation for you. Because of that stone that was rolled away from the tomb, and because Jesus walked out alive on the third day, today you can have salvation. Today you can have forgiveness for your sins. Because Jesus shed his blood on the cross to pay the price for all that we've done. And he died in our place. But when he walked out of the grave alive on the third day, he showed that he had power over sin, power over death, power to heal, power to forgive, power to save. And that power can be realized in your life today. If you will turn or repent of your sin and call on Jesus to forgive you 
to give your life to follow after him. And today, the Lord wants to set up this stone as a day to remember what he has done in your life. In a moment, we're going to have a time of response. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. There's going to be leaders here across the front. And if this is a decision that you want to make in your heart today, then I want you to come and to share with one of these leaders that I want to do what what the preacher was talking about. I want to ask Jesus to save me from my sins today. I want to follow after him. Christians, today we've been challenged to consider what type of people that we're supposed to be. Are we going to be a remembering people? Maybe during this time of invitation, you just want to celebrate God's goodness in your life. You want to remember what these stones are for. Are we going to be a repeating people? Maybe this afternoon at lunch or this evening as you're sitting around in the living room, you and your family need to tell the stories. You need to share your testimony. You need to remember those times that God was faithful, those times that he answered prayers. Are we going to be a reaching people? Are we going to tell others why these stones are here? Are we going to tell others about the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ? So maybe there's somebody you need to be praying for, someone you need to talk to this week about Jesus. And so perhaps you want to spend some time here at this altar, there at your seat, doing these things today. But however God's speaking to your heart, now's the time to be a doer of this word and not just a hearer only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, thank you for your faithfulness. God, as we've walked through these opening pages of Joshua, it's just been a constant reminder that you're a God who keeps his promises. You're a God who's faithful to his word. And God, today, as we set up these memorial stones, Lord, it's, it's a reminder to remember who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, may this day, may this moment be a, t- a time that you set up a stone in someone's life. Someone who comes to trust in you for salvation. Someone who comes and prays at this altar. And this is a life-changing moment for them as you speak into their heart. But God, have your way. In these next few minutes, may we be obedient to your spirit's leading. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.